You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everyone? It is Tuesday afternoon. I am back from the stadium for week one of organized team activities. The Bills had 70-plus players in attendance. We're able to run through a practice. We got to be out there for a little bit over an hour. So we're going to dive into a little bit of that. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Uh, and Ryan, we got to give everybody a little bit of a refresher here. We did these reaction podcasts last year after practice and training camp, and there's similar guidelines in place this time around. You know, there's certain things we can't report, like, you know, which players um, lined up where and with what team and what type of drill they were running. And so it's it kind of narrows the uh, topics of conversation. But funny enough, I think there's plenty to get kind of dive into here just with who was in attendance and who wasn't today. Yeah, I agree completely. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to bring it to everyone's attention that obviously, you know, we're, we're very interactive. We have a lot of fan questions. There are going to be certain things that Matt simply cannot answer because of the guidelines in place. But as you said, pretty good attendance, 70 plus players, but there's also a little bit to talk about in terms of who wasn't there. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we started off this morning with the press conference with Sean McDermott and I was eager. I actually asked him about Starla Tulele because, you know, when he finally does get back inside the building, that's going to be, you know, a very newsworthy topic. This is a guy that just based on offseason maneuvering here, um, moves that have been made, moves that haven't been made. There's a lot of, you know, faith, a lot of trust and expectation for Star Tulele. And so I asked Sean McDermott, is he, A, did he report and, and what are those expectations? And Sean basically said, unfortunately, Star Tulele isn't here. And he was one of 10 players that weren't in attendance today um, at OTAs. We can get into all those players. I think Star was one of the big ones. Devin Singletary, uh, third year running back, was not in attendance. Uh, and then if we want to go through uh, each position group, Taiwan Jones, veteran, wasn't there. A lot of vets. Uh, Daryl Williams, offensive line. Mitch Morse, um, 
Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, F. Um, F. Uh, Obata was there. Um, Vernon Butler, and there was one more. I don't have it off the top of my head, um, but we'll get into that list in a little while. I wanted to focus at the top here with Star, and you know, I wish I would have followed up on the question. To be honest with you, I had two questions lined up for Sean, and when he answered the question about Star, I quickly transitioned to Cody Ford. But I would have liked to have dove into that a little bit more with him because that, to me, how they've structured the defensive line, they haven't really brought in a lot of competition at that one technique spot. I know that you know Harrison Phillips is a guy that's played it. Vernon Butler's played it. I mean, heck, they've had at, at Oliver play it. I think that there's a lot of versatility, you know, that they expect and they go into a season, you know, being ready to utilize. But Latulale being there is a big deal. Him not being there right now after a year outside of football i get that he's uh, a veteran i get that he's been through many of these before but i think just like you know sean has talked about the you know emphasizing the the team building part of this thing and you know there's plenty of players now that you know there's some players that he has played with with the carolina connection and obviously the bills players as well but you know eric washington back in the mix some newer younger players uh that you know this team's got to bring along a little bit um, I was a little bit surprised that Latula Lay wasn't there just to maybe knock some rust off here. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see as, as this thing goes along in terms of, you know, mini camp, mandatory mini, mini camp. Cause that's another thing about this, Ryan OTAs are completely voluntary and there's teams around the league. I mean, we saw those notes going out, um, statements going out around the league about, you know, players coming together and saying, we're, we want to just continue to do this virtual off season. We didn't see a big drop off last year. So, you know, that that's definitely a thought process here in, in a lot of locker rooms, but 70 plus players show up here. And I guess just from a, you know, fan perspective, maybe there's some frustration with Latula when he was playing, you know, after missing a year, I, I can understand some of the consternation, if you will, that Latula is not in the building to start uh, OTAs. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. it. It's optional. You don't have to be here. A lot of the players that are not uh, that were not present today are veterans, guys that have been in this league for a long time. Your Jerry Hughes's, your Mario Addison's, your Mitch Morse's, your Daryl Williams, so on and so forth. The list goes on and on. But he also missed all of last season. He opted out. He had every right to do so. He had a he had good reason to do so. But this is someone that has not played a snap in well over one year. So to get come back in, to get acclimated, to introduce himself to a lot of new teammates, players that he did not maybe meet last year, players that they have added this year. Uh and you know, listen, he he's done this. He he's been in the game for a long time, but the Bills did not address the one technique, not in the draft, not really in free agency. They added some players that have the versatility to play one tech, three tech, but they didn't add a, a true run stuffer into the mix in the draft. Which a lot of mock drafts leading up to this year's draft uh, saw them do. So there's no one really waiting in the wings to benefit from those snaps. Yes, Harrison Phillips, but he's been in the league now long enough where he knows what he's doing. If there was a rookie waiting in the wings that would have taken those snaps here, I'd be like, hey, I'm all for it. At least this young guy is getting those snaps. It's not the case. It would be nice of him to have shown up after taking a year off, but at the same time, he has every right not to be here at this time because it is an optional event. Yeah, Nathan uh, Jennings, I'm, he mentions, wouldn't they be uh, keeping tabs on players in the offseason? And for sure, like, I, I'm not suggesting that, uh, you know, that there's been any type of, um, you know, lack of conditioning and, and you know, training and all those kinds of things. I just think that this is a big, uh, you know, a, a moment, a chance to kind of get a competitive advantage. And we know that the philosophy in the building there, 
and you know, listen, at the end of the day, star is a veteran. And despite being out for a year, I, I do kind of understand from that on the opposite side of the coin, why maybe a veteran player like that would choose to skip OTAs. They've been through this before. I think training camp is going to be very important for that group to kind of come together and gel. So I can kind of get it on the other side of the ball, Devin Singletary, a guy that, you know, has been in the conversation all off season long amongst Bill's mafia, uh, just because of, you know, the polarizing nature of, of his tenure, his two year run. Now, you know, obviously had that big mistake in the uh, AFC championship game, the drop pass that, you know, probably could have gone for a touchdown. It might be, he might be still running. I know we make that joke all the time. Uh, he had nothing but, but open field, you know, to transitioning to the off season conversation about, do the bills need to add a home run threat? Uh, you know, maybe add somebody with more speed and then you get to OTAs kind of take doing those, that the attendance Devin Singletary is not there. And so this to me was probably the, the biggest eye popper. I mean, he's, he's, he doesn't fit into that veteran um, pool of players. This is a third year guy. I believe the only guy from his draft class that wasn't at OTAs uh, hadn't reported yet. And who knows, maybe, you know, maybe he will show up uh, before too long. Maybe he's, you know, his training schedule away from the building. Maybe there's uh, some type of timing with that. And maybe the bills even, we didn't get to talk to Sean about that. Maybe the bills wanted him doing wherever he is and whatever he's doing. Um, But yeah, definitely an eyebrow raiser that Singletary wasn't out there. Yeah. And again, he could be, he could show up any day. Now he could show up this week, next week, whenever the case may be. But to not be there on the first day, uh, I get why some fans would be upset with that, especially, again, after the Bills did not address address the running back position in this year's draft. They're going into this season saying, okay, we trust Zach Moss coming off of a pretty serious injury. We trust Devin Singletary, who has a rookie tied for the league lead average in terms of yards per carry. Mind you, didn't have the workload of a Derrick Henry uh, by any means, but still performed. Then he had a little bit of a down year last year. They trust the Antonio Williams. They trust maybe the Christian Wades and obviously the the, the Breedas of the world, someone that they did sign in free agency. So you, you would like to see all of those guys in here working, uh, working with one another, getting their snaps, seeing how they all look. But without Singletary in the mix, knowing that Zach Moss still isn't a complete go, uh, it probably gave everyone in attendance a, a chance to get their first look at Matthew Breida. It probably gave some of those younger guys, the the Williams of the world, the not so young guy and Christian Wade, but someone still you know young in terms of football years, not playing for a long time, some more snaps there. So maybe that will benefit them long term. Yeah, I, um, Zach Moss was there. He was one of three Bills players in red uh, non-contact jerseys. Cody Ford still coming back from the leg injury. Um, they're taking him slow, obviously Isaiah Hodgins, also guy who missed all of last season. They're still bringing him back slow. He was participating though. Um, so that was, uh, you got to, you got to see him play a little bit. Um, again, we can't really get into where they played. So that's something that I'm going to keep saying over the course of the next couple weeks, you know, cause I know a lot of fans are going to be like, man, this is kind of vague. Like, let, can I, can I know a little bit more about what they did, where they did it, you know, as, as we start to try to put these you know pieces together and, you know, we just really can't do it. That's, those are the bills, uh, media guidelines. Uh, so obviously Matt Breida, the, the first look at him today, listen, I think he's going to fit right in here. I, I mean, that's my observation, if you will, I can't get into the details of what he did and where, or, or, or where he played. And again, the 11 on 11 stuff today, it, there wasn't a ton of it. 
And, and so I think that this was uh, one of the first few practices. They put out a video yesterday. I still think they're, they're running through a lot of different things, getting, getting guys up to speed, installing a lot of things, a lot of young players, even after rookie minicamp, the attendance there was really good. Uh, but, you know, just getting used to being on the field together and, and going through all those kinds of things. Um, but I thought that, you know, Matt Breida looked, I, I, in the note I sent over to you, he looked, he looked as quick as advertised. Uh, he looked engaged. And, and this is a guy like in Breida that, He's such a luxury to have. Like, you got Antonio Williams, who you saw a very limited sample size from last year that, you know, okay, we want to develop this guy, right? You have, you know, draft assets that you spent in Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Now you have that veteran who, you know, I think offers a little bit something different than TJ Yeldon that the Bills can maybe look to utilize on a matchup specific, in a matchup specific way. And I think that, Maybe TJ Yeldon's problem so much over the last two years in terms of trying to get on the field is he didn't have that that part of his game that separated him from the group as much as a Matt Breida does. Now, I will say this, Ryan. You know who I think Matt Breida's main competition might end up being? Who's that? I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Christian Wade. Hmm. I, so I had a conversation with Christian Wade uh, about a week ago. Um, and we got to reschedule the interview because the audio file, you know, I love when this happens. It's just, it, it, it didn't work. Like, uh, I went to play it. There was no audio. I don't know what happened. Um, so I obviously no story came out of it, but you know, I got to talking to him about what this process has been like, and we're going to do redo the interview at some point over the next few weeks. And I hope to write a story and have more on it, but he's not treating, I know he's got this third year of the, uh, international pathway program where he can come in here and continue to kind of learn. I think that, you know, there's a sense of confidence that he's coming in here to compete for a job. And I, I guess that's always been the mindset. Like when you talk to him over the course of the time, especially in year two, but I really am curious to see how far along he's come. And I think that there's a confidence in him in the building more so than there ever has been. I think that he's earned that respect and, you know, as fun as it was to see Brita out there today and moving around and maybe a guy with that kind of dimension, if you're talking about that speed home run ability, I think that's Christian Wade. Like, you know, that's, that's kind of what he showed off the last, uh, last time we saw him in 2019, the preseason. Yeah. When it comes to Christian Wade, the, the international pathway program is giving him that third year option, but you have to also realize he just turned 30 years old. I think this is the, the do or die year for him with the bills either. He shows enough this offseason to, to make this roster, or maybe the Bills say, listen, we're going to let you go and see if you can maybe find a job elsewhere just because you're 30. I know there's not a lot of uh, tread off the tires, so to speak, but at the same time, 30 in the NFL for a running back, that's up there. So you need to let him you know, see if maybe he can land somewhere else. I don't know if they would keep him on that uh, international pathway program, extra practice squad player for another year. I mean, they have every right to, and it won't count against them. They could keep him as that extra man. Uh, but just from the 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 fact that he came over here, the fact that he's learned the NFL game now for three years, uh, maybe they would let him go. But yeah, both uh, Christian Wade and Matt Breida have that extra gear that the Bills did not have last year in a TJ Yeldon. They don't have in a Devin Singletary or a Zach Moss. So it gives them a chance. It gives them a chance to be involved in the mix. And I think Breida specifically is going to come in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because He's someone that in the 49ers, he did thrive when he was given the ball in terms of yard per carry average, in terms of making the most of his carries. So when he was added by, uh, to the Dolphins roster last year, I think a lot of people had high expectations saying he's going to be the workhorse. He's going to be the number one guy. And it just never happened. 
Uh, when he was given opportunities, it just didn't work out. And, and then he was passed over for uh, Miles Gaskin, an undrafted free agent, and then he was, or, or a late-round pick maybe. And then it was uh, Selvin Ahmad, and another one who was added as an undrafted free agent. So it didn't work out in Miami after a promising start with the 49ers. So now he wants to probably come to Buffalo and show, listen, I wasn't utilized in Miami. I can still play in this league. I can play at a high level in, in with the Bills. He's going to have a shot to show that off because he does bring something different from a skill set perspective than the Zach Mosses of the world and the Devin Singletaries of the world. You know, Morris and uh, Daryl Williams weren't there today. But, man, just getting a chance to look at the entire, you know, ro- rest of the roster along the offensive line. And, you know, it really is a nice reminder and preview of oh, Liam asking about Dane Jackson. We're going to talk about Dane Jackson in a moment. But um, this offensive line is just absolutely stocked with talent. And, you know, everywhere you look, I mean, for most of the practice, John Feliciano was kind of standing off to the side. A lot of the younger players were uh, were able to kind of get some run here today. And that's another thing we could talk about, too, is like, you know, you look at guys like Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes not showing up. What does that mean? And listen, they're vets. I, I, I'd have to go back to 2019 OTAs and look at our, my notes, but I don't think Jerry Hughes was there uh, that year either. Um, somebody could correct me if I'm wrong, uh, if you if you can recall off the top of your head. Um, but that gives opportunities to younger guys. I mean, AJ Epinesa, we heard Sean McDermott spoke about him today, and he said physically the way that he showed up to, to camp, he's ready to go. He looks great. He looks like he's ready to hit the ground running. This is a this could be a huge year for AJ Epinesa to play in a role where you know who knows maybe at some point he earns like a starter job opposite Jerry Hughes. Um, uh, I don't know how that's all going to play out. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean it, it, it was really tough to see kind of where everybody was. But I think as we get to training camp, um, cool note for everybody. Also, I know I'm I'm moving all over the place. Um, Sean McDermott was asked about. Um, Rochester, uh, St. John Fisher, and they're, they are talking to St. John Fisher, as Mike Catalano reported a couple weeks ago, and that could still be in play. Uh, they're working through it. They sent some people out from the Bills to Rochester to kind of go over some potential protocol issues. But, man, if, that, if that's the case, that's going to be the key to unlocking these post-practice podcasts because once the fans – are allowed back at practice. I think that we'll be able to talk a lot more in detail about all of this, but just a guy like AJ Epinesa, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, and even a guy like Daryl Johnson, who is going to be fighting for his roster life this, this upcoming summer. I mean, they added in huge numbers and Daryl Johnson is directly on the roster bubble, if not on the wrong end of it right now. So I think that these kinds of opportunities, these kinds of reps that Sean has, t- has talked so much about, they're so valuable even when those veterans don't show up because of that many more reps that other players are going to get. Yeah. Both sides of the line. You mentioned offensive line first and foremost, no Mitch Morris, no Daryl Williams. Well, you know, they just drafted two monsters at six foot eight. So that means they're probably getting some run at some point uh, at that tackle spot. They they drafted another lineman uh, who could be playing on the interior. They have some younger players along that line. They obviously have a lot of young players that have been in the mix and made the 53-man roster, albeit not starting. That's getting them more reps. So on the offensive side of the ball, that's great news. It gives those players opportunities to show what they can do. It helps Brandon Bean, and not so much in OTAs, but it gives them a little bit of a start because Brandon Bean's going to have a tough job in terms of figuring out 
who's going to make this roster on both sides of the ball, offensive line, defensive line. So the more reps that these younger guys, these inexperienced players, the ones that aren't starting get, the better it is for him in terms of figuring out who's going to make this roster, who could be a potential uh, player that we could trade away, so on and so forth. Defensive line, uh, you know, I'm all for those veterans taking that time off. They've earned that. And even, you know, Starla Tulele, despite having the year off, I get it. So you're getting, again, you're letting the the Boogie Bashams and the Greg Russo's of the world uh, get their opportunities. But you mentioned it. A.J. Epinesa, Sean McDermott raved about how he looked in terms of where the Bills wanted him to be at, how he is. He's had a year in the system now. I feel like A.J. Epinesa has almost become the forgotten man, which is kind of funny to say because he's only a second-year player. But the Bills go and they draft defensive ends back-to-back in, in this year's draft. They have Jerry Hughes. They have Mario Addison. They sign F.A. Obata. And, and then you have A.J. Epineza. Poor A.J. Epineza, who had to go through the strangest offseason in NFL history as a rookie last year, being Buffalo's technically their first pick because the, the first-round pick was Stefan Diggs. So Epineza has no traditional offseason. He doesn't really get to work one-on-one with uh, the defensive line coach or any of the coaches in general. Uh, they, they get him in when they finally do, and they want him to cut weight and to get down to a certain playing weight. So his whole rookie season is a bit of a wash in terms of by the end of the year. Yeah, he's where they want him to be, but that's not how it started. So now he comes in, he's where they want him to be. He has a year in the system. He knows the playbook. He's getting these opportunities and OTAs. All of this could lead to a breakout big season for AJ Epinesa. Speaking of uh, a big season, potentially um, Dane Jackson. I know there's a there's the Dane Jackson hive that's out there that's mm. that's super excited for that cornerback competition. Made himself a big play today. Uh, you know, picked off a ball. It was a really nice play. I think it was Isaiah Hodgins uh, was the intended receiver uh, from Josh Allen and Dane Jackson with uh, a, a beautiful interception. Got some hoots and hollers from uh, the sidelines celebrating with them. Um, big play for him, but listen, this is, this isn't surprising. I mean, this is a guy in Dane Jackson that's now kind of made his name on coming in and making plays when his number is called. So it's almost like when they run these plays now, the expectation is going to be that Dane Jackson makes some plays. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's, we, we, we spent so much time talking about the potential cornerback options and will they still bring a, a potential cornerback in? Yeah, man. I, I don't know. I, I, we talked a little bit about it on the last show. We were talking about Steven Nelson and, and what that would look like if they brought him in uh, to compete. You know, I really think this depth chart, by the time we get to training camp, Bills fans are going to be really happy with it. From, you know, Levi Wallace, who has all this experience uh, at the position, all these starts, and the guy that, you know, I, we, I always bang the drum, but Cam Lewis is a guy that's going to be in the mix everywhere you look when it comes to training camp, this is his big, it's a big year for him too. year three, a guy that, you know, had a cup of coffee in camp year one last year, got the call uh, to replace Taron Johnson, got hurt. So now he gets to come in this year and maybe silence some of those, you know, critics who say, who are saying that he can't stay healthy. If he can stay healthy and be in the mix, that's another guy to push, you know, some other guys here that I like the competition that's already in place here. Just being able to having a chance today to look out on the field and kind of see it up close and personal. Yeah, you know, first and foremost, Dane Jackson. Uh, go back to Brandon Bean's interview on the PFF podcast with Chris Collinsworth, with Richard Sherman. He was asked for a breakout player, and he stopped short of saying breakout player or, you know, who's a potential superstar. I can't remember exactly how the question was phrased. 
But he said, Dane Jackson's a guy that maybe doesn't have the measurables, maybe doesn't have the speed that you look for, the athleticism, but he's just always out there making plays. And then, you know, we, we did see that in his rookie season. Uh, he gets put in the, the Seattle game, and the first snap they throw right at him. He's one-on-one in coverage against DK Metcalf. It's a quick screen pass. What does he do? He wraps up Metcalf by the ankles, tackles, tackles him immediately. He gets one-on-one against DeAndre Hopkins in that Arizona game. Pass defense in the end zone, beautiful breakup. Interception against the Jets. He made play after play after play when called upon. That's all you can ask for. He can't go out there and, and suddenly become a 4-3, 4-4 guy. He can't go in there and grow an extra inch or two, but he can go and make plays. And he showed it as a rookie that he could do it last year. He's showing it again early here in OTAs, making a play on day one, where maybe Brandon Bean will sit there and say, hey, we don't need necessarily to go out and sign a Steven Nelson or a, you know, or some of these other talented veterans out there on the market because there are talented players out there waiting in the wings. He has to build on it. He has to keep doing this day in, day out, obviously. But you do have him. You do have Levi Wallace. I love the fact that you mentioned Cam Lewis because he was finally getting inserted into that starting lineup for Taron Johnson, who kudos to Taron Johnson, turned it around after that point. Uh, Maybe that was the wake-up call that he needed because all of a sudden he started making more plays after Lewis's injury. We saw a few pick sixes, obviously, regular season playoffs. So, there's competition across the board. There's versatility. They they add a, a you know a rookie in the draft at the cornerback position. They add a safety. So that secondary has a good mix already of veteran talent and some young players in in the fold. So maybe the Bills do avoid that altogether. Um, Josh Allen was asked in his first press conference today about what he's been working on this offseason. and because uh, you know obviously the big storyline this time last year was the deep throws and how he was going to improve. Uh, and obviously that, you know, I think he ranked among the league's best in terms of uh, uh, downfield throwing accuracy uh, in 2020, uh, which surprised a lot of people. And he said that he's been working on a lot of in-breaking routes this, this off season. Here's his direct quote that he uh, had from today. That's something that maybe wasn't my strongest suit last year. The deep ends and the short five yard under is just making sure I'm putting it in a catchable spot for these guys to catch and run. That's going to be a huge asset for us to be able to hit those type of throws and allow our guys to stay up and stay on the move. I didn't do a good enough job with that last year, so excited to continue to work on that with the guys here. And, you know, that's something that jumped out to me for a couple of reasons because we're now at the stage of Josh Allen's career where he's really able to just fine-tune some of the really minute details of his game. You know what I mean? And, you know – in breaking routes. I mean, that's a, that's a very big part of what they, what they want to do, but ball placement, like specific ball placement, like things that he saw last year that he could take in with the off season uh, workload with Jordan Palmer out in California and really just hone in on that and work on it every day. We've seen he's had, he has like almost like, I can't think of another case of, of, of a quarterback who's improved so drastically on something specifically year to year that they went, they worked on specifically to do. I mean, you take some of that, that short yardage stuff, even too in year two, that was a huge improvement. Like remember his rookie year when, you know, I, I go back to his first training camp when he was air mailing little, uh, you know, uh, wide receiver hitches out of the backfield and some of those training camp videos. And he comes into year two. And I think he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league under 10 yards as a second year player. Then he had to fix the downfield stuff. So 
there's so much uh, you know, that you can do once you have all of these big boxes checked. Now we're sitting here talking about Josh Allen year four, really just ironing in on the, the details. Yeah, every year Josh Allen focuses in on an area, and every year he improves on it. I do remember before last season, uh, Jordan Palmer saying, I mean, after the Texans lost, before anything, before even COVID hit, yeah, I think Josh Allen's going to be one of the best deep ball passes in the league next year, knowing full well that that's what Allen was going to focus on. And sure enough, improved significantly. Uh, obviously, a lot of that had to do with the work they did with Palmer, the, the work in terms of, uh, bringing someone in to look at how he was moving the foot movement, the shoulder movement, all of that pre, you know, pre throw and his motion, uh, and, and that played a big role in. It. But you mentioned it after his rookie year, he wanted to work on that short intermediate stuff. It wasn't just airmailing players when he even when he was connecting with some of them, he he, he was rifling that ball in, you know, breaking fingers almost, so to speak, with, with the velocity he was putting on it. So he still has year, a little bit of an issue with that, according to Gabriel Davis. <laughs> yeah, a, li- a little bit, a little bit. But he, he always improves in these areas. So improve in that area because the Bills are one of the most pass-happy ha- offenses in the NFL. So if he can go in there and he can work on those five, seven-yard routes and complete passes at that range on the first play of each drive, you're talking second and three, second and five, that makes it that much easier to move the chains, to sustain drives. And as great as a 70-yard deep ball for a touchdown is, in the NFL, you need to be able to sustain drives, keep defenses on the field, tire them out, uh, but also for your own offense in terms of maybe keeping a team like the Kansas City Chiefs off the field, those high-scoring offenses that you will go against at times this year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So sustain those drives, put up points at the end of the drives, uh, and that's one way to do it. Make sure that you are accurate on those five- to seven-yard routes, continue to impress in the intermediate routes, and then obviously, as we've already seen, get better and better on those deep throws. So Josh Allen, it keeps working uh, on those little areas each year to make sure that he is a complete all-around quarterback. Got our first look at uh, Mitchell Trubisky today as well. I see a lot of people in the comments section, Nathan Jennings, our good buddy, Matthew Harmon. Uh, hit that like button. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button too. If this is your first time here, every time the Bills practice this offseason, Ryan and I will be live to discuss it and talk about whatever we can talk about uh, because this is exciting. I just saw Tom Palisaro, a tweet from him that the NFL had uh, one of its virtual meetings off season meetings today and informed clubs that fans are expected to be back at training camp. 30 of 32 NFL teams have already been approved to have full stadiums. I believe that was the quote. Let me just double check it here. Cause nothing would be worse than that. Live, live commenting. Uh, let's see here. Well, while Matt's looking that up, I'm going to talk a little bit about it. Um, You know, Josh Allen even said today, one of the first things that they did was work with crowd noise. And it's important because they went throughout most of the season last year without that. And I think it benefited the Bills. Uh, But then you get to the AFC Championship game. They're on the road. Kansas City has a, not a full stadium in terms of capacity, but a lot of fans there, really loud. The Bills had some issues in terms of uh, maybe their timing in terms of when they wanted to get the snap off. So this is going to be important because not just away games, but even home games now are going to be most likely filled maybe to capacity or close to it. And it's something that you have to readjust to. So go ahead, Matt. Yeah, so the it, the the tweet is uh, about particularly training camp. So attendance, uh, thirty. The expectation is to have all thirty-two teams ex- uh, 
having attendance back at their facilities. And listen, a lot of teams do it at their own facilities. There's still a handful of teams around the league that go away. Uh, I know we went down to Spartan Spartanburg uh, for the Carolina joint practices. That was a fun time. Uh, they do all of theirs on the campus there. And so I know that, you know, Sean McDermott was asked again today, and he did not shy away from that answer that he said before, where he likes going down to St. John Fisher for that short amount of time. It's a team-building opportunity. But they got to make sure that it's safe. So it's going to follow local uh, and state guidelines. So we'll see how that plays out. We're still got a couple months until that needs to happen. And so really, really good news. Um, there's a question here about Harrison Phillips that I want to get to here. What is your opinion on what will happen with Harrison Phillips? And listen, um, this is a huge year for him. And I, I kind of puffed out my chest a little bit today when Sean McDermott was talking about Harrison Phillips, because he echoed what something that I talked about, because having conversations, you know, virtually last season but about Harrison Phillips and you know what it meant to um come back from that injury the expectation should have been tempered from the very start of last season it's a serious injury guys usually aren't you know he probably was 60 65 percent of himself last season even at you know his best and I don't think he ever wanted to make excuses but I think that, that was a big part of it so to get in the training facility he was been in there all off season Sean McDermott kind of said that today we got him back here. He looks healthy. He looks ready to go. So yeah, this is a big year. I, I don't expect any limitations on Harrison Phillips. And I think that he factors in, listen, he's, a, he's important. He's got that versatility. He can really truly play that one technique role. And if you go back to that Cincinnati Bengals game, that, that couple games there where he was really getting his feet wet, that's where I feel like he was trending. So in a lot of ways, he's Star Latulale insurance. I mean, if, if, if Phillips doesn't have a great camp and great preseason, and he's on the roster bubble, and there's questions about Latulale. I really fear for where the Bills are in terms of that one technique spot. Yeah, the fact that the Bills didn't draft a true one technique or maybe add a premier player in free agency, I think that's great news for Harrison Phillips. The fact that he was there all offseason, it just kind of uh, showed his his commitment, I'm sure, to that coaching staff, to that front office. They obviously love Harrison Phillips. Uh, that you know, he, he was one of their first picks in, in, in terms of where they drafted him. Uh, they've seen what he can do when he's healthy. Like you said, last year, expectations should have been tempered coming back from a serious injury, but now he is healthy. He is back. Uh, you know, go all the way back to Greg Rousseau's introduction uh, to the Bills in terms of the video footage that they put out there. Who did he talk to or who, who kind of came in and said, hey, when are you having the veteran dinner? It was Harrison Phillips. So he's been there. He said, if you need anything, reach out. He's going to be a good asset to these younger players. But more importantly, he is a good player on the field when healthy. I think you're going to see that this year. And with Star Latula some question marks there about missing an entire year, some rust that may need to be shaken off. You could see Phillips maybe getting more snaps early on in the season uh, than maybe some expected just because of who knows how long it's going to take until we see Star Latula in terms of where he was and what he was doing before he opted out in, in terms of uh, 2020. I know. Let's wrap this up here. Uh, I know that this is a pretty divisive topic. <laughs> I mean, it came up several times today throughout all the press conferences, you know, vaccinations and what that means. I mean, if you dial this thing all the way back to Josh Allen's comments on the Kyle Brand podcast, this is something that, you know, it, it's it's a very personal thing. It's a very, very um, contentious thing, like especially when it starts happening on social media, whether to or not get a vaccine. 
for, for COVID-19. And it's going to continue to be a big topic in training camps and, and off-season programs and as we move into the regular season. And, you know, Sean was asked about it today and, you know, what this process was like, because one of the big things with the NFLPA coming back is the uncertainty of coming back in a team environment where there's, you know, a little bit looser, you know, rules and guidelines. Sean McDermott said they're, they're almost, he would guess somewhere between 60 and 70 percent back to normal. Well, if you're throwing in a collection of guys that are vaccinated and some that aren't, is there concerns there for the for the players that are vaccinated and the staff that are vaccinated? There's all these things that are going to come up. And so Sean was asked about it today, and that was like a big piece of the press conference. And then Josh Allen was asked about it, and Tremaine Edmonds uh, was asked about it. And both players opted not to say um, where they stood, whether or not they got vaccinated. But I want to talk about one thing from this because, you know, you, you fast forward to the regular season, right? And right now we're sitting in a, in a spot as a country where, you know, things are really looking up. I mean, around the country, you know, CDC guide, guidance is, you know, calling for, you know, mass removal outdoors. It's a, it's a lot of places indoors. I mean, I'm at, I'm at Starbucks, I'm at Wegmans. People are, you know, going massless at pretty much everywhere you look. It feels like we're trending back to normal. But when we, when you get into the thick of the season and we're talking about some of the things that you, you want to do and also just avoiding an outbreak, that that's where I think Sean McDermott, you know, that's where his stance has kind of been placed on all of this vaccinations, whatever you think about it, getting vaccinated or giving like a large number of players vaccinated is going to set them up to be, to fight this thing off and avoid any type of catastrophe in the season. Cause Ryan, go back to last season when this thing was first starting back in training camp. And you remember all the false positives that day where Josh Allen met, missed a couple days uh, because of, you know, tests that came back negative. We're much further along in the process than that. So I don't think that, that you're as fearful of that, but, you know, just, just thinking about all the potential roadblocks to the success for a season that has so much expectations. That's why I think this is going to continue to be a storyline that's covered. I know there's a lot of fans asking about why are these questions continuing to be asked because it's, it's a big topic, not only nationally, but globally, and I know that it's football, and I understand the concept, the idea that I want to go to football, like I want to read about football or listen to football, and I just want to talk about that. I get that, but it, 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 some people are interested in it, and there's a big collection of people that are interested, and in I think that's why this is going to continue to be a topic. Yeah, it's going to continue to be a topic for the foreseeable future. Uh, and Sean McDermott said it well. We can educate the players on it. We can answer their questions. You know, a few weeks ago, maybe it was last week, we saw Cole Beasley make a rare appearance on Twitter, and he was talking about it. And he and he said a few times, "I truly am asking these questions. I'm not sure." So there are players that probably need to get up to speed on that. Now that doesn't mean that it's going to change a stance. Uh, obviously, with the FDA looking at, at making these. Uh, looking at these in terms of they were emergency approvals, but making them a full-time thing, that could obviously help in terms of convincing players to get it done. So th there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot to it there. So when all is said and done there, it, it could help them in terms of uh, passing the approval and then players obviously getting making that choice or maybe swaying their opinion on where they are now. So I think a lot of players are going to keep it in-house. I don't think you're going to hear a lot of players come right out and say that they do or do not have it. I almost lost my train of thought there because you had a guest there. She is so stinking cute and adorable. <laughs> I started rambling, and I kind of veered back on where I was going with it. But, yeah, so 
in time, players are going to get the education that they potentially need, uh, and, and then they'll make those decisions. But you're right. There's a lot. There's lofty expectations for the Bills this season. And when all is said and done, I'm sure Sean McDermott wants to get them leaning in the other direction, that is getting that vaccine. But he all he can do is educate. He can't force the topic uh, because you don't want to lead to any issues in that locker room. Yeah, so uh, Mommy is at her second graduation in as many days. My wife um, got her second master's degree, just finishing up this this semester. So she's at her graduation right now. And uh, so I have the little ones. And I don't know what they've been doing for the last 40 minutes. So I'm going to walk upstairs, and hopefully everything is good. I can't believe that we made it this long without you coming down. You're such a good girl. <laughs> yes, you are. All right, I'll be right up. Go see Lukey, okay? Be right up. All right, everyone, that is going to do it for this episode. Uh, thank you, uh, Matthew Harmon. Uh, keep it locked on to Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com. We'll have coverage all week long from today's practice, uh, the press conferences today. And then also um, there will be one practice per week during OTAs. That's kind of the agreed upon uh, deal every year going back to you know when things were normal. And so we'll, we'll be back out, I believe, next Tuesday. We'll wait for guidance on the bills. But keep it locked on here. Make sure you have the – the notification set because as this thing goes along and the practices get a little bit more detailed, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about some of these, you know, not so much where people are lining up, but maybe some of the, you know, plays that happen here when we get more of it and get into some of the matchups and that'll be, uh, that'll be super fun. I'm, I'm so excited to watch some of these one-on-ones as well. I don't know if uh, we'll get them in, ma- in mandatory mini camp. Um, it's like, again, we're still learning all this stuff again because we, <laughs> Somebody said she has a solid point. Yeah, she does. She makes great points. Um, so, you know, we're, we'll take you guys through uh, all of the rest of this month on our way to mini camp. It's been so much fun already. Thank you for making the, the rookie mini camp uh, episode super successful on YouTube. Great stuff. So hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and we'll, we'll be back next week. All right, take care, everyone.